HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Hearst Ranch is a proud sponsor of the Heritage Radio Network. Learn more about Hearst Ranch at hearstranch.com. This episode is brought to you by Wisconsin Cheese. We've been making cheese in Wisconsin since before we were even a state, which may be one reason why we win so many awards for it. It's what happens when a whole state dreams in cheese. Find your next favorite cheese at wisconsincheese.com. Hey there, and welcome to the Feed Feed podcast. I'm Alexis Santos, a food editor at the Feed Feed, the world's largest crowdsourced food publication and social media community, serving as your daily source for what to cook, bake, eat, and drink. Here on the Feed Feed podcast, I'm speaking with members of the hashtag Feed Feed community to hear their stories, get their culinary inspiration, and also hear about some of their best cooking tips. Today, I'm so excited to be joined by Peggy Curry and her daughter, Megan Curry. Together, they run the blog and Instagram account, Curry Girls Kitchen, where they encourage a healthy lifestyle through delicious gluten-free recipes and holistic coaching. Peggy is also a brand new lifestyle cookbook author with Damn Good Gluten-Free, which is now out on shelves and wherever you can find cookbooks. Megan and Peggy have been working together for 10 years on their lifestyle brand, Curry Girls Kitchen, which I absolutely love. So I'm so excited to be talking to you gals. Thanks for being here. Oh, thank you for having us. We're excited. Good. (laughs) Yes. So I heard, I I hear that you guys have very different kind of culinary paths. So I'll start with you, Peggy. What is your kind of, I guess your, the spark notes of your culinary story? (laughs) Well, my story is, is that I had parents and relatives that just cooked a lot. So they were like my spark, my grandparents, um, my nanas, my aunties, my mom was a really great cook that never used recipes. So I didn't really, you know, I just watched her whip up beautiful things. And really the kitchen was our meetup place. My mom worked um, when I was about 12 years old. And so, you know, it was like a happy time for me you know, spending time in the kitchen with my mom or my nanas and um, my aunties. And so I really found cooking to be, you know, just something that made me feel really good. And I really love to eat and I loved food. (laughs) 
And I loved gathering around the table because we had a pretty big family. And so we, you know, we spent a lot of time together um, that way. And um, so that was really great. Yeah. Yeah. So then you kind of brought that to your daughter or how did, how did that get passed down, I guess? Well, so um, I'm, I'm, we have four daughters and that was one of the biggest things for me is that I really wanted to instill that same kind of love for cooking and food in my family. And so they were always included in the kitchen whenever they could be in the kitchen from a very young age. So yeah, it um, it was definitely something that was important. And so as a mom of four daughters, I made it a priority that I was cooking breakfast, lunch and dinner for all of them um, <laughs> as they were growing up. So and and then, you know, we we also found later in life, about 15 years ago, every one of the kids had different symptoms. Um, mm-hmm. My husband and I both had different um, debilitating symptoms. I had severe panic disorder. My husband had debilitating migraines. We both had joint pain. They were like, you know, on and on the list was on. And then as we kept having kids, um, Megan is number two in the lineup. Um, but each of them had different symptoms, but Megan was the one that really was the catalyst to finding out what was going on for us. Um, I'm going to let her share her story um, around, you know, what that was like growing up. Yeah. So interesting. Well, I guess take it away, Megan. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, growing, as my mom said, having three other sisters and I think my food story kind of began not as like a positive outlook as my mom. I always had really severe food allergies. There Mm. was, and this was before gluten intolerance or paleo and plant-based, all these words and these lifestyles became more trendy. For me, it was, I was always doing some type of elimination diet to figure out what was going on and why I was always so sick. So food was kind of one of those things that I loved. I love to eat. I think that's why I always say I get into food. I got into food because I just, I love eating food, but food never made me feel great. And it was always something that, oh, Megan can't have this. And I'm looking at my sisters and just wanting to fit in and be normal. So for me, it was learning that once I was diagnosed gluten intolerant, when I was right before my senior year in high school, that's when I finally started being able to enjoy food in a new way and being able to figure out what foods work best for my body and what I liked and enjoyed outside of my mom's, you know, guidelines and from such a loving standpoint for the years prior, really trying to figure out and help me feel my best. But then it was me discovering that and, you know, really enjoying and finding my own culinary, like, experiences and joys in the kitchen um, and foods that really made me feel great because I think for so long food never really made me feel good Um, and then after college I went to the Institute of Integrative Nutrition and really got into health coaching and the deeper like all of the things that come into not just the food that you eat but everything else and that's then when we founded Curry Girls Kitchen. Wow. Oh my gosh. So are you, just to clarify, 
who is gluten intolerant in the family? All of you, or do you all eat gluten free just cause, or what's the spread? Oh, no. there? <laughs> no, we are all six of us are diagnosed gluten intolerant, and my husband no actually, way. yeah, and my husband actually has the celiac sprue, but I think you know, Megan and I probably have have had the most reactions. So we definitely all have the digestive disorder. And um, yeah, so it's oh been gosh, a whole family. Like... <laughs> well, I, I feel like it sort of makes sense that I guess the the offspring <laughs> would because they get the genetics. But then the fact that you and your husband both who, you know, weren't related before are <laughs> both dealing with the same. That's kind of crazy. Well, I Obviously, you guys have kind of turned lemons into lemonade with the whole situation, but I know you had kind of mentioned Peggy kind of having a, a bit of a journey there to figure out these how to deal with these health issues. So what was that like? Oh, my gosh. I mean, I was one of these people. I, first of all, I was a school teacher, a special ed school teacher and administrator, and I was always of the belief never give up. It's like, I'm going to help someone and I'm going to figure it out. You know, everything is figure outable, you know? <laughs> and so um, yeah. basically with my husband, when we were in high school and he had all these um, symptoms, we would go to so many different um, Western doctors. But then when Western doctors weren't helping us, we went to, you know, Eastern homeopathy. So mm -hmm. it kind of started paving the way. So when we started having kids and our kids actually... Um, Megan's oldest sister, Alex, was similar to me in that it, she didn't really get any outward symptoms until she was later on in life. And she has a little, you know, like anxiety, but none right. of the other symptoms that I would say, you know, every other child, like Megan was always sick. Annie had severe, like, you know, you know, temper tantrums. And then the youngest couldn't hold food down for very long. And oh it was gosh. like on going. And so luckily my, our pediatrician would work with me because nobody at the time could figure any of this out. And so, you know, like Megan growing up, she was like, thank God for Megan in a way, because, you know, I would use her as, okay, we need to get Megan better because she had the most severe, um, symptoms of just, you know, always being sick or something going to matter. And so we would, um, we went to so many different doctors um, and uh, healthcare practitioners, alternative medicine practices, Eastern, Western, we did it all because I was bound and determined that when a doctor would say she's fine, I would go, but no, she's not. And it was my gut that kept leading the way, you know, just those intuitions of this, this, this child isn't okay and I need to help that we need to figure this out. Well, and it's crazy. This is sort of educational for me too. And, you know, anybody listening who the way you're describing these, these kind of gluten intolerances manifesting themselves in completely different ways, whether that be physical health, mental health, like mm -hmm. added, like mood, you were talking about temper tantrums. Like I, I don't think most people know that. You I mean, I mean, I personally, you know, I'm fortunate not to deal with any food allergies and no one in my family has a gluten intolerance or anything. So I just kind of assume like, oh yeah, I guess that means you just have tummy problems, right? Um, I don't really know. I'm not super familiar with the different ways in which that can manifest. So, I mean, kudos to you to kind of picking on, picking up on all that, but it's, it seems crazy. I love that you said that because I think it's really important for all listeners to understand that, you know, 
whether you know you have a gluten intolerance or not, it's like you you still have symptoms that might not relate to what you're thinking. So like, for instance, yes, anything digestive, like, you know, bloating, um, irritable bowel, things like that. But then your skin is the largest organ. How many people do we know that have psoriasis, eczema, yeah. you know, all those things, and then foggy brain. Um, what else? There's uh sinus congestion, joint pain, you know, so there's so many different ways that our body tries to tell us something. And we don't always pay attention to it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Now you're making me think I'm like, okay, wait, what am I I not listening to? Oh, no. (laughs) But I'm also like, I'm very, I'm like a diagnosed hypochondriac. So maybe I'm not the best person to be bringing this (laughs) enlightenment to. (laughs) but totally I think too though it's easy you know we think about mental health or like even getting headaches migraines brain fog I think once you learn like so the root like of so many issues start in your gut and your gut brain connection that now we've learned more through wonderful doctors like Dr. Hyman and other people that have now have research backing it, you know, so much of these health things stem from inflammation, chronic inflammation, and our Mm -hmm. brains don't have a way of telling you like bloating, like, or when things are off, we, it's people, so many people have headaches or brain fog that they're just, they become these chronic symptoms that we've just accepted. And I think, you know, so many people don't realize these, the other ways that your food allergies or your health is expressing itself and that you can feel, at least for me, I know until I was 16, I never understood like how people could wake up in the morning with so much energy because I just, my body never felt that way until I did a gluten-free lifestyle. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is how people feel. <laughs> like it was amazing. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. It was like the fog was lifted for you. Well, my gosh. Did So totally. Megan, it sounds like you, you were 16 when you adopted this diet and Peggy, I don't know how old you were, but I guess what was that transition like to go from, you know, eating normal foods? I mean, and obviously kind of knowing deep down something was wrong, but to then I mean, I know it's definitely not the easiest thing in the world to one day just completely cut out gluten and trying to figure out like what has gluten, like, oh, I can't have soy sauce, like all these kind of different nuances to that type of diet. So what was that kind of transition like? Oh my I, I love this question because 15 years ago, there was nothing, you know, right. it, it was almost like, like what gluten, you're gluten, what, and what is gluten? Yeah. And, and I feel how, and, you know, and so it really was another mission to then try and figure out once we all got diagnosed, okay, how am I going to keep all these people on this new lifestyle so that we can all feel good. And so basically I was just very honest with the kids and said, look at this isn't an allergy for us. This is a digestive disorder. And you have like this 70% increased risk of a degenerative disease because my parents both, you know, passed away from cancer, heart disease, oh, you know, gosh. things like that. And so it was like, wow, okay, look at anything that's in this house, we can't we would do these family meetings. So our kids were already used to us gathering once a week, sitting down at the table, we would do these, um, you know, family meetings on Sunday. So it kind of opened up the door to be able to communicate in a way that kids could 
A, relate and B, you know, just okay, how am I going to find the foods that are going to taste as good, their favorite foods? And so what I created was this plan, which is also in the book, Damn Good Um, Mm Gluten-Free, this kind method. And so it was a way to set yourself up in the kitchen and we would organize ourselves. We'd organize our meals and they were all themed because being a special ed school teacher, I, you know, you have to gain kids attention and how are you yeah. going to bless it? And so I said, look, it's going to take a minimum of three to six months to heal our small intestines so that we can, you know, get back to feeling our best. Like none of us really knew what that looked like, like Megan was yeah. saying. And so I created these themed weeknight dinners and Every Sunday, I would say, okay, what does everyone want to have for dinner tonight? And, you know, so they they got buy-in. So they bought into the food. I was making them beautiful foods for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And um, and then by being organized, it just made my life easier because obviously you can imagine I have four kids. They're very busy. I'm trying to figure out how am I going to cook all these meals for them? And so having this like, spreadsheet. <laughs> it's like our, <laughs> our, our, um, what do we call it, Megan? It's like our, um, it's like it's a like weekly our, calendar. Yeah. It's a <laughs> weekly calendar and it's set up Monday through the weekends. And so Monday night, um, was always Italian night and we'd have 10 different recipes in Italian night. Tuesday night was, you know, Mexican taco Tuesday, Southwest Wednesday night was wild fish. Thursday night oh, was Yeah. And Thursday night was, um, we would, uh, do vegetarian night. So eating their veggies. I mean, we're very veggie centric anyway. Um, but then Friday night I'm Jewish. So we would do Shabbat dinners. My husband's Catholic. Yeah. So our kids were raised both. And so on the weekends I wanted to make it easy. And so we would make homemade pizzas on Saturday and we would do barbecue like burgers on Sunday with a host of like so many other recipes, but that was the main plan. And so it really gave them that buy-in. And then for me, it created sanity as a mom that's cooking all this. I knew what was happening for the week. I knew what my shopping list was going to look like because we shop once a week at farmer's market and a grocery store. So it was a built-in meal planning guide, you know? So, and then everybody you know, kind of got to say what they were having a hankering for for the week yeah. <laughs> and look forward to it. So it was, it was really fun. Wow. Well, it seems like you got that figured out. And what was your, what Megan, what was your favorite of all the, of all the nights of all the themes? Ooh, <laughs> I think I would say just taco Tuesday or any Mexican theme food as a 16 year old girl, you know, getting ready before going off to college. I think for me, this transition was being able to keep the foods that I loved. I was an athlete. I played soccer. I would have pasta parties and, you know, loved bagels and pizza and all the foods that I now learned back in 2005 too, that like there wasn't the gluten-free options we have today. Right. So learning, Mm. um, to being able to, instead of like focusing on everything that was being taken away, what are the things that I still get to have? And I could still have my beloved tacos and all of those things. So chips and guac and chips. salsa and yummy things. <laughs> <laughs> yes. 
yeah, one of my best girlfriends is gluten-free and she kind of figured this out when we were in college. So this was about, I don't know, maybe 2011, 2012 ish. And so it's, it, it still was very different from how it is today with like the, you know, the prevalence of gluten-free options, but now it is kind of crazy to, you know, go out to dinner with her. And really there's very little, I mean, unless we literally go to an Italian restaurant where it's pretty much all non-gluten-free pasta. I mean, it seems like it's not as limiting as you would maybe think when you first hear like, okay, I can't eat gluten. Um, I don't think I've hung out with her at all in the last, you know, five, six years where I felt like, oh God, that must be awful. (laughs) It's just not ideal, but not, you know, not completely life-changing, it seems like, which is good. Oh my God. The world has embraced so many different things because as we know today, and that's why, you know, it's everything to, to be, to feel inclusive. And that was one of the biggest things for my kids is how am I going to have, have them feel included in the birthday parties and everything that was going on back then. And now today, everybody has a greater understanding. And um, it's not so foreign because restaurants are on top of things. I mean, theme parks are on top of things. I mean, pretty amazing now that, you know, you don't really feel like you're living without, especially with all these now gluten-free artisan bakeries. I mean, like, hello, (laughs) gluten-free croissants and sourdough breads and, you know, bakers that are just like amazing teaching us how to make sourdough breads. <laughs> like we're really happy these days. <laughs> yes. I actually, I just heard from someone else who was saying that she figured out how to make vegan croissants. I was like, oh my God. <laughs> oh my <laughs> really God. really figured it all out. Well, and that, you know, so that's part of the other thing with Damn Good Gluten-Free that, you know, here you have the the range of gluten-free, dairy-free, vegetarian, plant-based, vegan, paleo, and every recipe in the book has a variation because, look, there's there's people that sit at your table and this person might want it this way, this person want it this way, you know, this person eats, you know, paleo. And so how do mm-hmm. you get to not drive yourself crazy and make 50 dishes when you can make a beautiful, you know, three different items that everyone can actually eat and enjoy. Yeah. That's kind of like what Curry Girl Kitchen started from was this way to create delicious, nourishing meals that we, after our diagnosis of being gluten intolerant, to figure out how we can still enjoy all of these things that we love and bring us joy. And then as we've further educated ourselves on foods that are really healing and supportive to our overall wellness, like making variations of our favorites that you can feel good eating and not feel bad after having a couple cookies or a piece of cake or pie or burgers or whatever it is that you love and making it so everyone can enjoy it. Oh, yeah. I, I love that because that is really who, you know, we want people to understand you know, especially everyone that's coming to the feed feed is foodies, you know what I mean? Yeah. And so it's, we want people to know that, that the food matters, but not only matters, it's, 
it's really helping with your health, well-being, your healing. And then it's like these ingredients, these high quality ingredients that I really go into depth with to really educate people on, you know, what's Mm. the difference between high quality and low quality. And then the experience, the tasting, the looking, the texture, the nourishing benefit, all of that, I think, is really what we want people to understand that when Megan was saying, it's not what you can't have. Look at everything that you can have, yeah. you know, and that's what I think the book really represents from tuna noodle casserole to, you know, chicken piccata, but you make it with lion's mane mushrooms because we're all obsessed with mushrooms over here, you know, and uh, <laughs> you can make it, you know, all these different ways so that people can feel a sense of freedom and empowerment to nourish their bodies with, I think, you know, one of the things that we love too is the foods that work best in your body. Cause I know we've kind of touched on that in the conversation, yeah. but like really understanding what foods truly work in my body. Cause we're big believers on bioindividuality. We're all different. Check out your yeah. finger and that little signature on your fingerprint. You know, it's like, we're all different, you know? That's and so what, true. yeah, because it's like, what works for me might not work for you, but might work. But it doesn't mean that all those foods are bad. Megan and I are really clear. There's no such thing as like bad versus good. It's really what's going to serve my body so that I can feel my best, have this incredible energy and, you know, be able to eat damn good food too. (laughs) (laughs) I love that optimistic, like, attitude that you both have about it I think it's very it's it's delightful to hear about so thank you (laughs) hey it's possible it's possible you know because it's like think about it you go to the doctor and the doctor goes okay you have an autoimmune disease or disorder and you have to go gluten-free and then the person looks at the doctor and goes well what am I supposed to do and they go I don't know you got to figure this one out and I mean that's why I wrote this book because I didn't have a roadmap and now people have a roadmap to to know all the possibilities that are out there today. And there's so many exquisite ways of eating. You well, know? and I think eating is so emotional. It's so, it's like comforting and things like that. And I think, I know for me personally, from childhood until a teenage years, even now, it's like, you just want to feel normal. You just want to fit mm-hmm. in and you don't want to have to like... that it's one less thing you want to have to be concerned about or worry about. And I think that's what was so wonderful in us coming together was that I got to learn how to create these things, these foods that brought me joy that I could feel normal and having the things that I loved. And, you know, that's also where it can be really overwhelming to then be like, oh my God, I have to not only maybe did I just find out that someone in my family is lactose intolerant or things like this and how am I even gonna like cook for them and I like this brings me so much joy and love well that's why we created our damn good in the kitchen course that goes with the book because you're kind of like you get these things where you're like where do I even begin it can be feeding ourselves and going with the everyday stresses and work and life and just all these things it's we try and eliminate those questions and make it very seamless and easy that you don't have to feel overwhelmed and kind of guide you through adopting these lifestyles that really work best for you. Yeah. 
Absolutely. All right, we're going to take a quick break and hear from our sponsors. Hearst Ranch is a proud sponsor of the Heritage Radio Network. The Hearst family has been raising cattle on the rich, sustainable native grasslands of California's Central Coast for over 150 years. Piedra Blanca Rancho in San Simeon is the original Hearst Ranch, founded by George Hearst in 1865. George's son was the famous publisher, William Randolph Hearst. In addition to being known for building the iconic Hearst Castle, William was, like his father before him, an avid rancher. In his words, I would rather spend a month at the ranch than any place in the world. Thanks to one of the largest land conservation easements in California history, a joint effort with the California Rangeland Trust, the American Land Conservancy, and the state of California, the working landscape at Hearst Ranch will be preserved forever. Learn more about Hearst Ranch at HearstRanch.com. This episode is brought to you by Wisconsin Cheese. There's a reason when you think of Wisconsin, you think cheese. Cheese is a huge part of Wisconsin's history and future. In Wisconsin, the state of cheese, the tradition of cheesemaking excellence began 180 years ago, before Wisconsin was recognized as a state. Immigrants traveled to settle in this lush green hills of Wisconsin, bringing their cheesemaking traditions with them. These storied skills combined with the freshest milk available created a cheesemaking culture that is uniquely Wisconsin. Wisconsin's 1,200 cheesemakers, many of whom are third and fourth generation, continue to pass on old world traditions while adopting modern innovations in cheesemaking craftsmanship. Find your next favorite cheese at wisconsincheese.com. So at what point, I guess maybe Peggy, this is a good question for you. I mean, this was obviously a very hands-on and involved, you know, complete lifestyle shift that you had to put into place for you and your family. And, you know, it seems like a lot of work, but you obviously, you know, figured it out. At what point was the decision made like, okay, we want to share this knowledge and, you know, what we've learned with, you know, the world. And I mean, obviously you have the cookbook, you know, you've got the website, the Instagram, you know, it's really evolved, like, but what was kind of that story of like turning your experience into something to help other people? Well, I think once Megan really decided, I mean, I've been teaching um, people how to eat for their health for 30 years. So when my mom had passed away from breast cancer, I started a company that sold nationally. It was uh, Evie's Garden, named after my mom, Organic Marinara Mm -hmm. Sauce. So that sold nationally for six years, and all the money went to breast cancer research and patient support. But here I have four daughters, and I did a lot of work around it, and it was like, you know what? I want something that's going to actually help people today change their diet and lifestyle that's going to make a big impact on their health and well-being and then realizing that food played a huge role in that that's when I started teaching cooking classes and then at the same time I started a nonprofit with a group of parents um in our hometown here called Growing Great and Growing Great helps children and their families within the schools learn how to choose, you know, healthy foods. And so 
that kind of morphed. It's now 23 years later, and it's a national program that is in schools and children's museums, and it's huge. And so the evolution of, I think I was born to, I know I was born to be a teacher and an educator. Mm -hmm. That was clear. And just, you know, how you're kind of um, groomed for things. And so I, I love people. And so I was always out there, whether it was teaching or sharing my knowledge of what I knew about food. And then once Megan graduated, and she was like, I was almost like going to give up and just be like, okay, I'm just going to take a break. And she's like, no, mom, let's do this together. And that was 10 years ago. And so, you know, because I think the beauty of what makes Megan and I so great is that, you know, I'm 65. Megan is 30 in her 30s, you know, just 30s. And so we have this generational way of looking at things. She cooks things different. Like we might make the same things, but they'll be totally different. And we used to cook in-person cooking classes. And even before the pandemic, we had made the the decision. Yeah, we used to do in-person, lots of in-person stuff. And we pivoted so that we could have a greater reach for people to be able to, you know, get this information that was really you know, it was way before it was popular. And so we just started teaching it, created Curry Girls Kitchen, created all these recipe videos, which we have a ton of on the YouTube. And yeah. yeah. And so, you know, there's, we just kept putting out more and more content. And I started working on the cookbook 12 years ago. (laughs) Even before. Yeah, because it's like when you have a lot of kids. Yeah. And it was just took forever. It morphed. It morphed into from growing great families to my my daughter, who was my other daughter that was helping me too. Everyone's had a piece in the helping of this book that she was like, mom, you can't call it families because all of my friends want the book and they don't have families yet. So, you know, it morphed into what it is today of damn good gluten-free because that's the message that we want is for people to make life delicious every day and be able to eat food that tastes damn good. And it doesn't matter if you're gluten-free. It doesn't matter what your preference or condition is. You're going to be able to make something absolutely delicious for you and or you and your family out of this cookbook and learn a whole bunch of information on what a high quality beneficial food is. Oh my goodness. Well, that, I mean, (laughs) it seems like it's very full circle for you guys. Just kind of, Mm -hmm. that's, and I I love how there's so much like family involvement in it. And like that, that's just amazing. Makes a huge difference. Yeah. So now when, what was, I guess, what is the culinary, I guess, training, if there was that um, for you guys that kind of put you into this space to be so kind of well suited to do this? Um, For me, it's expert, you know, experiential, because Mm I, I cooked for 25 years, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. I, I've worked with a lot of chefs over the years, because growing great, the nonprofit, um, I was in charge of working with a lot of chefs and all of that. So I mean, I got a lot of hands on experience with some really like, big deal chefs in Los Angeles. And, um, and, and really, you know, I think for so many people, it's that the ability that you're with your mom in the kitchen, you're 
you know, I mean, my kids were always in the kitchen. They, the way our kitchen is set up is that it's a big, long countertop. The kids would sit either at the breakfast nook. That's it's all open. One great room. Kitchen is the main thing, you know, in the downstairs and they were always in the kitchen coming home. I would always have snacks. So it was like, you know, everyone was very included in the process of, you know, cooking. (laughs) I like to think that it's kind of like the feed feed in general. We are homeschooled chefs that it's our experience that we've done. And, you know, especially after I went through the Institute of Integrative Nutrition and learned more about holistic nutrition and did more classes. I also did a course on functional medicine to be a certified functional medicine coach and really taking my knowledge of the health benefits of certain foods and different dietary restrictions and necessities for different people and combining it with my mom's years of experience of also just raising a family and learning from her family. I think, you know, food is such a tradition. It's something that is passed down and it's something that I feel like makes us more relatable that we're not classically trained chefs, but through our different (laughs) levels of um, experience and just learning that it makes it a lot of, cause a lot of times I hear is people like, I just, I'm not good at it or I don't know I can do it. And I was like, I can't even tell you how many things I've burned or failed at in the kitchen, (laughs) but I've only gotten better because I continue practicing. It's like anything that you do, you have to practice at it. And so I'm grateful for my educational background, but I feel like for both of us, so much of it came from just playing in the kitchen and getting in there and trial and error and trying. And we've gotten to take, well, I've, I personally have gotten to take some amazing cooking classes abroad in Italy. I lived there for six months and getting to learn how to make pastas and all these other things um, that you then get to bring into what we share with everybody else. Well, that's amazing. Yeah. And it seems like you guys have really figured it out and, you know, and that trial and error and like that whole, I mean, that's how I learned myself and like, no, I totally get it. And I just feel like, yeah, it's very powerful to kind of from one home cook to another, um, Mm -hmm. kind of learn how to do those things. So very, very cool. And, and I think that's one of the big things is we want people to find their confidence, to feel confident in the kitchen which again is, you know, something that's important to us. We want, you know, not everybody is going to be as, you know, lively and, oh yes, I love cooking because it depends what your mom or dad or whoever was the caregiver at the time that was feeding you. Not everyone had that experience growing up. And so, you know, Food, I think, is at such a big attention, you know, today, like it's, it's captivating, it's everywhere on social media. And it's way different than when we were growing up. And so, you know, to find your own confidence, to find your own niche of the foods that you like, and it, it, it just helps you a lot. And I think that's another, I think, really important piece of what Damn Good does is that it's going to help you build the confidence, find the joy in cooking and get you cooking. That's the whole point. We want to get you cooking. (laughs) You can take beautiful Instagram photos. (laughs) Exactly. Yes. I mean, it's all, I mean, worse problems to have than, you know, having a bunch of delicious food around, right? (laughs) Oh my gosh. So be it. 
Oh my gosh. Well, you guys were absolutely amazing. Thank you so much for like teaching me, you know, so much about this and, you know, you're telling your stories and how this all came to be. So I guess if there's, is there anything else that I didn't ask you yet that would be important to add? Um, I just think, you know, for people to know kind of like what we do besides the cookbook, which is obviously it's, it's so at the forefront right now, you know, Mm -hmm. um, I, I love that we have this video course that goes along and it's so fun. Um, we did it with our friend Sarah Heron in her kitchen and it's a video course that sets you up. It helps you with the whole organization and setup of what does this look like and how am I going to do it? And it's super fun. And then we also have our 21 day resets and a seven day reset actually that's going on right now that you really get to learn what works best in your body. Because like we said before, knowing that information, I th- we both believe is such a single big um, factor in your health and your healing. What works best in mm-hmm. my body so that I can heal quickly, faster, stronger, you know, like that. So we do these resets there on there too. And then of course, we're a lot of fun at coaching you to feel your best. <laughs> we do coaching we do group coaching we do all kinds of fun things parties you know so yeah we 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 do a lot we have a lot of support and tools to help you feel your best uh no matter what dietary condition or preference that you have and all of this you can find on the website currygirlskitchen.com where we also are sharing free recipes and so much information daily on our social media and curry girls kitchen instagram and like we said our youtube channel and our newsletter so you can find all of that there (laughs) yeah we have facebook pinterest and we have a really lively podcast called make life delicious (laughs) you guys are doing it all my goodness (laughs) we have fun we like to have fun you know yeah and it's amazing that you guys get to do it together which I love. Exactly. So cute. <laughs> it is. I'm sure you guys have a lot of fun. It is. It's, it's a lot of fun. It's, a, it's a definitely a family affair. I love that. Well, thank you both so much for being here. I, it was an absolute pleasure and a thrill. And yeah, I really appreciate you sharing all this with me. I love it. Thank you. Oh, for we love us. it. And we're grateful. Thank you so much for listening. To learn more about the food and drink discovery platform that is the Feed Feed, head to thefeedfeed.com. If you have a food story to tell or want us to interview a blogger, cookbook author, chef, or restaurateur, we would love your suggestions. Just send us a DM on Instagram. See you next time. The Feed Feed is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradio.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritage radio network. Heritage radio network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, and more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from our listeners like you. Want to be part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like Tell your friends and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Thanks for listening.